0: You're listening to the Best Morning Routine Ever podcast, the show that proves no one stumbles upon success ever with your host, Lou Need. Every Mondays and Thursdays, we deliver cold heart evidence behind the power of a robust morning routine. Get ready to be transformed by the renewal of your mind.
1: Hello, morning enthusiasts. Welcome to the best morning routine ever podcast. I am your host, Dr. Luneed. And today, you know, it's an honor, it's a privilege to introduce my next guest, Carrie Lupoli. She teaches women how to have a simple, sustainable, and satisfying relationship with food and their bodies. I mean, who doesn't want that, right? That includes eating carbs, healthy carbs, learning how to fuel our bodies the right way is actually easier than we realize. And she believes this, and I'm excited to have her on here because she wants to take all the confusion out of the process for us. And so, you know, she's been um, a former special educator and behavior specialist. She works with clients that teach them replacement habits, systems, responsive behavior to busyness and time management. So with no further ado, welcome to the show, Carrie. Well, hey, thanks for having me.
0: All the stuff I love to talk about is what you talk about, I think, on a regular basis, too.
1: Yeah, it's an honor to have you on board. I really am excited to dive in. Let's jump into it. Um, Tell us about why you got involved with it. So you went from educator to now coaching and teaching women all over the world how to establish this healthy relationship. How did that come about?
0: Yes, I I feel like I I loved my work as an educator so much. And I really felt like that was my passion and my mission. Mm -hmm. And now I look back and I'm like, I had to do that to do this, to be able to do this work. It all brought me here. So I was a a special educator. And uh, towards the end of my career, I was a national educational consultant, traveling two, three weeks a month with two little girls at home, um, really working to uh, do turnaround work in schools. I I was a mindset coach for school leaders because what we think and what we believe actually dictates our actions. And we know that not just in our bodies, but in our work. And so I would work with school leaders and teachers because so many of them that weren't getting great results in their classrooms, it was all a result of their thinking and their beliefs. So I would do all of that. Well, at the same time, I'm out traveling all around and doing this amazing work. And inside had a horrendous relationship with myself. I had been a college athlete. And then after my sport was over, nobody had taught me how to eat. I was actually a division one cheerleader in college. Oh. It was like 100 <laughs> years ago, literally <laughs> like 30 years ago. But I, when I got done with my sport, I mean, my sport literally relied on my side so that I could be valuable. And that then stuck with me after my sport was over. I had no idea how to eat. And all I thought of was if I gain weight, I am no longer valuable. I no longer have a purpose. And I remember at the end of my senior year of college, I was unable to eat the pizza that we ordered at my college job. We had all ordered pizza at this office. And I called my mom and I said, mom, I literally cannot open my mouth to eat the pizza. And I did not realize that that was the start of an eating disorder and where all of that was coming from. So fast forward many years where I finally got into a place where you know I was a little bit better. I could eat, right? but I I wasn't in a good place at all. I was obsessed with Mm -hmm. food and what I looked like. I get pregnant and I will say, I think the years and years of infertility had a lot to do with my unhealthy behaviors Uh with food. I got pregnant, gained 80 pounds and really struggled afterwards for years. I was on every single diet there was unable, like if you see pictures of me, I'm either hiding behind something or if I was scared, quote unquote, skinny enough to deserve a picture to be taking of my body. It was because I had been dieting enough that week or that day or that month. Right. Mm -hmm. So my kids were five and six years old. And I remember one day on our family Friday pizza night, it always came to pizza with me. That's One of my girls said to the other girls, they were five and six. And they said, why does mom not eat the pizza with us? Because I ordered the salad and had no dressing on the mm-hmm. side. And why does my not eat the pizza? And my five, my six-year-old said to my five-year-old, it's because it has too many calories. <laughs> and I thought, oh, oh my gosh, what am I doing? What am I doing? It was like my moment of realization. So I, you know, had been traveling a ton and I don't know that I was always present with my kids as much as I needed to be because I was traveling so much, but, um, I realized I was actually putting forth the same mindsets and
1: learning. They were watching and learning learning from you.
0: I wasn't even home and they were learning. Like, (laughs) Oh my gosh. So, but I, I love carbs and I love wine and I didn't want to give that up, but I was willing to like, I always deprived myself, right? I wouldn't eat for all day. I would drink five to six cups of coffee a day. I wouldn't eat all day while I was working. And then I would like binge at night. Or I would count all my calories and if I was good enough, I could, you know, you know, have a glass of wine or something. Like it was just always around my behavior and my value being around food and my body. And then so then I joined a gym. Like I finally was like, okay, Carrie, you're gonna go back to working out. You're gonna go. I joined a gym and I did that for a whole year. Mm-hmm. And I really didn't see any changes in my body. And I just couldn't. I was super frustrated with everything. And then one day a guy comes to our gym. He was a coach who I then ended up working with and being mentored from. And he asked us this question. He goes, what do you think is more correct? Eating an apple or pizza with chicken? And I don't eat the pizza. <laughs> so I was like, ah, uh, what? What? And that's when he started me the introduction of food as fuel and recognizing that we are a refuel as you go machine and that we actually need the macronutrients. There's only three macronutrients, proteins, fats and carbs. And like we as a society keep thinking we need to eliminate an entire macronutrient. It means big, it means important. Right. So, you know, when I was I guess in the 90s we did we eliminated the fat. <laughs> we did low fat for everything and then we eliminated carbs and we did that when it was Atkins, we're doing it now with keto and it just keeps coming around and around. And yet everybody I talk to, they're like, I just love carbs. And your body craves them more and more. And while keto could be sustainable for some people, I keep saying, if I could never have a quesadilla or birthday cake again, that's not sustainable for me. And that's not what I want to teach my kids. So I started learning. There's three questions we always need to ask ourselves before doing any nutritional approach. One- is it based in science? And the thing is all diets actually are based in science, mm-hmm. but they are actually, every diet is exactly the same. They, they just cause us to deprive ourselves. Of something or the other. They, they, they pick of, one thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And it could be like just calories, like intermittent fasting. I literally just don't eat. Like <laughs> that's depriving myself, right? So we put our bodies at a deficit. And I always say, since when is a deficit a good thing? Like, do you want to be at a deficit for anything?
1: No, not ever. I mean, you're absolutely right. Our body does, does need the fuel, and we need to we need that relationship. It's, it's funny now we're we're mindful of it. Um, was something that we should have been mindful of early on. You know, that before yes. the, the the healthy variety and, and as you said, the three micro macros, right? Fat, carbs, protein. What was the In other fat. one? And fat. And fat. In yeah. fat. And we those need are the it. things that usually go with any kind of diet. That, yeah. Oh, know. yeah. We literally just and then
0: we think we're just going to eat vegetables all, all day long, which is a carb. And yeah. it's super important, but we need to balance it all out. So, yeah, is, is what you're doing based in science. All diets are based in science, but they cause you to put yourself at a deficit and nothing flourishes in a deficit. Mm-hmm. So, and every time we do a new diet, we put our body at a new set point we lower slow our metabolism our body actually it's like our phones you know like when your phone goes on low power mode and mm-hmm. like nothing really works very well
1: yeah everything slows down
0: mm-hmm. that's what i'm doing and then you turn okay so when you were 25 it worked cuz you were like a fat burning machine you had a high metabolism and your body could handle it but Every time we do a new diet, our body actually slows down more and more. And it's like we're we're putting the age train on. I'm 47 and I am now in better shape, leaner, and younger, really metabolically than I was at 37. Yeah. That's not supposed to happen. But it started (laughs) happening when I finally ate. So tell us about your secret. So okay. So it goes with the second question then. One, can you do it forever? How we lose weight, how we get healthy, how we get to our optimum health has to be how you maintain it. You can't do one thing, let your body adjust to it and then think, okay, now I'm done. And then think your body's not going to react. So we do a diet for a little while and then we can't do it forever because our body is slowing down and we're at a deficit we're craving things and we're not sleeping well and all of that kind of stuff. So then we go back to eating and our body's like, whoa, and I don't know when she's going to feed me again because she's super inconsistent. So we're just going to hold on to everything so that the next time she does There's it, we got some stuff in, you know, yeah. in storage. <laughs> it's like squirrels hiding yeah. nuts for the winter. <laughs> and so two, can you do it forever? And three, here's the number one question I always want women to answer. Would you let your kids do what you're doing? Huh. Because my kids saw what I was doing. And I was gone like two weeks every month, which wasn't good parenting either. That's a whole nother story. And if you wouldn't let your kids do it now, our kids are physiologically actually built the same way we are. Our body relies on blood sugar stabilization. Mm -hmm. That's the key. So when our blood sugar is stabilized, our body is in homeostasis. Our hormones are balanced. Our body can function like the fat burning machine it wants to be. And yet... Blood sugar stabilization. It's, I mean, decades and decades we have known this and we know this. All right. So for you, I want you to tell me when you're really, really hungry, like you haven't eaten in a while and your body is super hungry, what do you
1: crave? What do you want to eat? You know, it depends these days because I got a belly over here. Oh, look at
0: you. (laughs) You're beautiful. Okay, so this is actually even a better example. When you're hungry, what do you guys
1: eat? Want to (laughs) eat? When we're hungry, we had. um, Actually, we were craving um, cheese. What is it? The cheese toast with cheese. What do you call that? Uh, You put it over the grilled cheese. Yeah. Grilled cheese. Grilled grilled
0: cheese. Yes. I love that. So when I was pregnant, I would crave this is this is so crazy to me um, because I think maybe I couldn't eat it in my brain was Big Macs from McDonald's. Like what? Yeah. (laughs) I, I mean, anyway, but you that was perfect because what we crave are carbs. Because Mm -hmm. our blood sugar is really low. That's how we know blood sugar is a thing. When our blood sugar is really low, our body is talking to us and telling us, hey, I need sugar. And all carbs turn into sugar. You're not craving lean chicken. You're not. You're craving something that's going to bring that blood sugar up. And then when we overeat, when we overdo carbs, I mean, carbs get a bad rap. We need carbs, but we can overdo anything, right? So, we overdo carbs, we overeat, we take in too many calories. We don't count calories, I don't count any of that, but just in general, then our blood sugar is really high. If we spike our blood sugar, we'll store fat, we will throw off our hormones, we'll mess up all of our energy. And if we're really low, we'll slow down our metabolism and our body will hold on to food when we do feed it because. It needs that sugar.
1: Yeah. The same thing goes for other um, um, minerals and, and, and vitamins and all that stuff, too. Because, you know, I was thinking about the grilled cheese. There was a, probably a deficit of like calcium, right? There was the, yeah. the need to have cheese, the need to have carbs. So if we trust our body enough, like with a baby, growing a baby right now, it kind of dictates what, what I need and what the, what I eat. Absolutely. It's the same thing for for regular healthy bodies. You you, if you can listen Mm -hmm. to your body, have that intuition to know what your body is asking for and provide precisely that then, you know, then you won't have that excess, you know, storage. But you know what happens, though, I think is that so many of us don't know what our body is saying. Right.
0: Because we're not in this place of really understanding where I say we're not speaking our body's love language. Yeah. And if we're not speaking our body's love language, then we can't communicate. So it's like you and a partner, right? If you're in a relationship and you're not talking, to each other in, in a way that the other person is understanding. Like maybe like even just think about this. So my second daughter is adopted and she's Chinese. And it was so funny. We went to China when she was three years old and she said, we adopted her when she was 10 weeks old, she said to me, don't worry, mom, when we go to China, I will speak Chinese because I'm Chinese. So when we get there, I'll be able to speak Chinese. We get there and inevitably she can't speak Chinese and she's shocked. Right. (laughs) But it's like this, right? Somebody speaking Chinese, somebody speaking English, you might be communicating, but you don't understand what the other one's saying. Uh So here's the key for all of this. What we know is with our macronutrients, protein, fat, and carb, they're actually meant to be eaten together. When we eat them together at the same meal, we balance our blood sugar. And balancing our blood sugar is the core foundation of every single thing our body needs. Right now, 88% of deaths, 9 out of 10 people, are dying from a metabolic disease. A metabolic disease is high blood pressure, high cholesterol, diabetes, obesity, strokes, cancer. Literally everything that you can imagine stems from a metabolic disease. And the root cause of all metabolic disease an unstabilized blood sugar over the years hmm. that triggers everything else when your body's blood sugar is stabilized consistently and you're able to balance it with as many whole clean unprocessed foods as possible now we don't always do that cuz all food is is protein fat and carb i always say food is not good or bad food serves our body and food serves our soul and we need both mm-hmm. right but when we can do balancing our blood sugar with as many clean, whole processed unprocessed foods as possible, we are going to reduce our risk of metabolic disease dramatically. And the key to that, one of the best tricks to be able to do that is to put some clothes on your carbs. So you every time you eat, you eat a protein, a fat and a carb. So we need carbs. It spikes our blood sugar, though. And when we spike our blood sugar, we store fat. And that every time we spike our blood sugar, we put ourselves more and more at risk for metabolic disease. So that's why carbs get a bad rap. But we need carbs. Carbs fuel us. They give us energy. They actually fuel our brain. If we don't have it, we get brain fog and our body starts to actually kind of have to get energy from other ways. And it's not efficient or as effective. So we need carbs. But when we eat a protein with a carb, So when we spike our blood sugar, our body automatically produces insulin to try to counteract that blood sugar spike. But our body can't do it that much on its own. It's not very good at doing it on its own all the time. It's like being a single mom and raising 10 kids on your own. Mm. Like it's really hard. But if you had an army of people there to help you, You could raise 10 kids on, you know, with a village. And so by bringing in protein at the same time that you're eating a carb, you're allowing, if it's a complete protein, you're releasing insulin for yourself. And that counteracts that blood sugar spike. And then when we have fat at the same time, it actually allows us to digest um, and metabolize the protein and the carbs. It cushions our organs and fuels our brains. We're actually supposed to eat them together. We balance our blood sugar, bam. Yeah. By we do that all day long. Every three to four hours, we're eating what we call PFC. And when we do that, we don't have to track. We don't have to measure. We don't have to do any of that nonsense. But when you eat your grilled cheese, if you could eat some protein with it first, and I always say, eat your protein first and then have a grilled cheese, girl, you'll be fine. No. And because your blood sugar won't spike. And just like a roller coaster, if your blood sugar, if you go up really, really high, the faster you fall. That's crash. when you're on a blood, cl- a roller coaster um, for your blood sugar, and then when that happens, you're. It's not just about it in in the moment crash. It's not just in the moment feelings, but it actually your body is like this unbelievable mus- muscle memory. And the yeah. more and more you talk about consistency all the time, the more and more we consistently don't balance our blood sugar the more and more we're going to put our body at risk for every single long-term disease there is out there.
1: It runs havoc. I conquer a hundred percent, Carrie. Let's talk about some of the fat, right? Because people are hearing fat, they're thinking, all right, well, fried chicken is fatty, French fries and all that carbs, and it's fried. So we're talking about like avocados. We're talking about omega oil. We're talking about... Yeah, yeah. Literally, um, olive oil is high in fat. So let's talk about some of the other fats so that people are are aware. Yeah,
0: so I I don't want to put food like as bad or good because very often as women, if we eat something quote unquote bad, then we feel bad about ourselves, we feel guilty. But there are foods that serve our body better than other foods, right? Mm -hmm. And the more, and this is all about like what you talk about when it comes to routines. When the exception becomes a norm, then we get in trouble. Right. But when we can consistently show up for ourselves every single day and we're eating five to six times a day, if we can eat the majority of our meals every day with those foods that serve our body, like for fats, avocados, nuts, mm-hmm. seeds, Oils, olives. I love olives in my, I do like an egg white omelet with olives and lots and lots of veggies. And I'll throw in some quinoa in there. I mean, that is an amazing protein, fat, and carb, right? And so when we think about clean foods, we're really thinking about vegetables and fruits for our carbs as much as possible, colorful carbs. But then you can have your sweet potatoes, brown rice for one or two of those meals. Um, When you have your proteins, you can be thinking about high protein, like Eggs, chicken, um, turkey, salmon, fish, Eggs. shrimp, um, even cottage cheese, yogurt. Chia seeds are a complete source of protein for vegans. Chickpeas are protein, but they're not a complete protein, but they are a high source of protein. Quinoa is actually has a complete protein in it. Edamame, I don't do a lot of soy at all, but edamame for vegans, mm-hmm. if it's organic... I wouldn't do that all the time, but you can get in your complete protein source that way. Nutritional yeast is amazing. Like if you sprinkle some nutritional yeast in your grilled cheese sandwich, it just adds a little bit more of a nutty or cheesy, and then you've got some more protein in there. So uh, like French fries, for example, though, I had sweet potato fries the other day. It's a carbon of fat. I just had it with my turkey burger with it, you know?
1: Yeah. And so um, we don't, we just have to know more about food is what we have to do. That education aspect of it is important. And you bring it on, you know your stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's what
0: we do. I, and so the name of my company is called Disruptive Nutrition because we're disrupting what people think they know about nutrition. The diet industry is a billion-dollar industry for a reason. And they want you to fail because if you don't fail, you don't come back. Right. So why would they do something that your body would actually want to do forever? But then at the same time, I know that we are not necessarily positioned to do things forever. Like it's hard. Like we say we want to do something and then we like, we get thrown off track, chaos in our life comes up. So what I've learned, and this is where my behavior specialist hat comes on is I could teach women about food. It's actually super simple. That's not the thing. Once I teach them about that, they're like, I got this. I don't ever have dieting again. I don't have to, I don't try. But inevitably... Six months, 12 months down the road, life shows up, something chaotic happens, and we fall off. And I think the magic about what we teach is how do you show up for yourself every day, regardless of your motivation and regardless of the chaos that life throws at you. I always say we can't control our circumstances, but we can always control our response. And I think
1: that and what we teach is even more powerful. So that's the mindset piece of it. So let's talk about that. Let's dive into that because people have bad relationship with food because they're triggered. Sometimes it's an emotional baggage that is holding them Mm -hmm. back. What are some of the things you see in the women you work with and how do you deal with that?
0: Yeah. So one of the first things I have to do is help them understand the difference between emotional cravings and physical cravings. Mm -hmm. And if we're not balancing our blood sugar, it is absolutely impossible to figure out the difference. So once you get your blood sugar stabilized, that's why we teach the food first and we show them how they can live a life without being obsessed around food. My gosh, a little, it's like a a little bit like speaking a new language at first where you got (laughs) to get into the rhythm. But what we love about it is like, okay, you didn't get it. Perfect. It doesn't matter. You got to show up consistently done is better than perfect. And if you were off plan on a meal, you just have another one. Three hours later, you're never done for the day. You don't start on Monday. You just, Pick right back up again, three hours. So that's huge. And then when you can understand that your body was physically craving things, like we beat ourselves up when it comes to cravings, right? And then we feel guilty afterwards. But if you didn't have the cravings because they were actually a cause of a physical reaction, well, then if you do have a craving, you know it's emotional and you would deal with it differently that way right yeah. so what we always talk about is one of the things that i think is the most powerful thing that we can do when it comes to our mindsets our thoughts and our beliefs dictate our actions every single time and we can control our thoughts we think we're a victim to that but we absolutely can rewrite a narrative about what we believe is true so wow. we have these automatic negative thoughts ant's A-N-T. they're automatic these ants. And if we don't get in front of them, they can take us over and we don't even realize they're happening. I always say self-awareness, self-consciousness is a disease, but self-awareness is health. The more aware we are of what's happening, the more we're going to be able to get in front of it when you know you can do. So the number one thing that I know after years and years of working with women is that if you don't have a strong morning routine, I don't care if it's 15 minutes every single day, you will never get in front of your thoughts. And if you have a strong morning routine, you will never get that far off track because you're going to show up every morning for yourself in some way, shape, or form. (laughs) I mean, so let's look at this. It's summer. I live in New England in the U S right. The East coast. It's beautiful right now at this time of year where I am. I'll be in Boston (laughs) next week. My family's from there. Oh oh my gosh. We're so close. (laughs) I'm in Connecticut. So we have a pool outside and every single morning I have to go and wipe off the cushions because like there's like dampness or whatever, but inevitably every day a bird poops on one of those cushions. (laughs) I have to clean up the bird poop. I always have my spray bottle and I clean up the bird poop every day. But imagine if I didn't go out there every day, if I went out there five days later, there would be so much bird poop on the chairs that it would be disgusting. I'd almost have to like throw it out and start over again. Yeah. Right. But because I'm out there cleaning bird poop every day, I am in front of it. That is what morning time is. It's cleaning up the bird poop that happens all day long. If in, think about it here
1: in the, uh-huh. in the psyche, Our I bird love poop- analogy.
0: The bird poop in our (laughs) mind. So if every morning I am showing up for myself for 15 minutes, we have like this little planner pad that we use where I am looking at, I do a devotional every single day. I say what my intentions are and I time block. So I look at what I have to do today because women, we try to do a million things. What do I really have to do? And then when am I going to do it? And where's the margin in my life as well for some breathing space? When am I going to work out? When am I going to do this stuff? And I actually put it in my day and I only plan out one day at a time. And then I show up. And then the next morning I show up again and I evaluate. What did I do? What didn't I do? No guilt. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I just didn't do it all. Why was it? Because I was relying on motivation. I just, I just reflect. That's it. And I don't have to do anything more than that. And then I set my new intentions for the new day. And I've just cleaned up the bird poop. But the bird poop is going to
1: happen. I just have to show up and clean it up. I love that. So let's dive in a bit deeper on your morning routine. How do you get up, dress up and show up? You know, what is it like for you in the morning? What time are you getting up? The things that you're doing to set you up so that you can show up for your clients and for your girls.
0: So my I, my girls are now 16 and 17 years old. And so my life changed once they like started sleeping later, especially in the summer. So one thing I want to keep in mind is that my weeks and my days look differently depending on the season of my life. And I have to be flexible enough to say, okay school is starting again. Everybody's getting up and out of the house. I'm going to adjust my routine. So summertime, my routine is different than school year time. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I do when I have a new season of my life is I adopt Michael Hyatt's approach of the ideal week. I actually plot out what does my ideal week look like? What time am I going to get up? What time am I going to work out? And that may only be for six weeks or two months or three months, depending on what that season of life is going to be like. Yeah. So for my season right now, because it's summertime and all of that, I am up out of bed by six Oh five. I like my alarm is set for about six. I like, hang out for five minutes. I get up. My workout clothes are on my my chair by my bed. I literally take off my nightgown. I put on my workout clothes. I brush my teeth and I pee. I can be downstairs in eight minutes. When I go downstairs now, I don't work out right away because I hate that. I have learned that about myself. I don't have it. I need to slowly start my day. So I do a little bit of my collagen and a black coffee and I sit outside for about 45 minutes. Now that's like a luxury. I don't get to do that all during the year, but I can in the summer. I sit down and I do my devotional and I do my planner pad. I actually have it right here. Mm-hmm. And I plan out my morning at six, about 6.59, I literally go downstairs to my gym and my I have a trainer that's waiting for me and I work out from seven to eight. I sauna from eight to 8.30. Saunaing is one of the best things we can do for ourselves. And that's when I get caught up in social media while I'm in in the sauna. (laughs) And then I I shower and I'm literally ready and at my office by 9.15, but I work from home. And that is what I do every day while I'm in this season of my life. If you talk to me in two months, it might look different. But I I recognize that I'm not trying to fight something. If I'm trying to fight a routine, it's not working for me. I got to figure out something else that's going to get me straight up. And coffee in the morning, giving myself permission to do that versus working out in the morning. Because a lot of people say, work out first thing. Well, for me,
1: that wasn't working. I wasn't motivated to do it. So I swapped it and now it works really well. And you're setting the intention, right? You have your plan or you're setting the intention for the day. And you're visualizing what the day's going to look like and the success of the day. And you're you're successfully setting your plans. Yeah.
0: I love that you said that though about visualizing because this is what I do, because I actually don't like working out. I yes. don't. You do not People think I do. I'm like, I don't, but I know I have to. I know it's part of what I need to do for me. That's self-care. Self-care doesn't mean you enjoy it all the time. Self-care does it because you know it's right for you. So I visualize myself sitting at my desk at 9:15 in the morning, having worked out and not having worked out. How do I feel at that moment?
1: Yeah, let's talk about that energy you get, right? And if you don't work out, you don't have what it takes. By noon, you're burning, you're crashing. And it, it's like you took a five-hour dr- um those five-hour drinks and then you're crashing right after. Oh, don't get me started on those. Exactly. But working out really gives you that stamina to proceed um, mm-hmm. throughout the day. There's actually a um, a whole lot of
0: studies, this great book called Sleep Smarter. And sleeping is one of the most important things we can do for our health, right? Um, there's this great book called Sleep Smarter by Sean Stevenson. And he has a whole chapter on working out. And studies have shown if you work out in the morning or up to like early afternoon, you actually have better sleep at night which gets everything else working better in your body. Not to say that if you can only work out at night, you shouldn't. But I'm just saying like, if you want better sleep, if you want better health, it, everything triggers off an, another. Make one small change of getting your body moving in the morning. Every All the other stuff will fall into place. I always say, we'll meet you where you are. Where are you? Where are you right now? 1% progress
1: will literally change the course of your life every single day. We'll change the trajectory. Yeah. One degree of shift. shift. Yep. I conquer. Carrie, this is amazing. Tell us, how can we connect with you? How can we find you?
0: Well, we have, um, we're, we're really working hard on our Instagram page. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Instagram is at disruptive nutrition. We also have a free Facebook group where I go live every single week for our community. Um, it's called the diet disruptors squad. And that is just a bunch of people that have decided I am no longer going to be a slave to the diet industry anymore. And I'm going to actually learn how to fuel my body, learn how to become that strong person, but also recognize that my value is not on the scale and my value. I mean, we were made for something so much more than to find the right diet. Let's just get the eating under control. Like just learn the rules of like really what your body needs and then go live your life of purpose. That's what we talk about in our Facebook group all the time.
1: Yeah. Live a purposeful life. Thank you for sharing your insight today on the three micros, protein, carbs, and, and fat. It's been very yeah. delightful, and have them together um, mm-hmm. to get the full potential, the full benefit. So we yep. really, really value your insight today. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. It was awesome. It was fun. Awesome.
0: Well, all right, morning enthusiasts. That's it for today's show.
1: Thank you for tuning in. If you love the best morning routine ever podcast, we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes or Google Play.
0: While you're at it, tell a friend about the show. Be sure to visit bestmorningroutineever.com and our Facebook group to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic free bonus content. Until next time.